and you are listening to the Real Issue Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Last week, we talked about the whole idea of uh, truth and God's existence. This week, I want to deal with a subject, I think I alluded to it last week, and that is this whole idea about faith. But, you know, with all the things that have been going on with the news on Rhett and Link uh, this past week. I think, you know, Facebook has really had some influence on their exposure to their skepticism. And what I want to do is I want to address this from the perspective. First off, I want to talk to you about what faith is. And then I want to add a little sidebar into this and deal with the subject of whether or not faith can be divorced from reason. And the reason being is, is the fact that with Rhett and Link going and making an exposure and a lot of the media going and influencing our young people today, I, I'm really concerned by the fact that parents are turning a blind eye to all of this, and I really think we're being delusional about this whole issue, about the very fact that we don't need apologetics if this is the case. Because you know what? If um, my kids are just going out into the world and I've taught them up in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. Folks, that Proverbs 22.6 does not mean teach them. Now, I don't know how much Rhett and Link have had exposed to them. Elisa Childers, in fact, came out with a great article uh, that was on Facebook, and I'll see if I can put the link on to... Uh, this this uh, episode so that you can go on there and take a look at it. Elisa is one of the one of the uh, mama bears out there, for lack of a better term, who is going and basically sharing the problems with Christianity today, with progressive Christianity, and now this whole uh, attention seeking. I think I would call it. I think Rhett and Link are attention seeking, trying to go and build a a following of agnostics, basically, who are going out into openness and um, uncertainty, openness and uncertainty. And, you know, this is something that we really need to be addressing as parents. My wife and I, when my wife was on a few weeks ago, she alluded to this. I'd like to go back and get the clip, but I'm not able to right now. But you know, the whole thing of it is, we've been in student ministry for over 35 years, combined. Between the two of us, we I guess you could say we have about 70 plus years, if you went and took how many years. I've been in student ministry, and my wife has been involved in student ministry. We've been married, we'll be 34 years this year. And we are very much, we definitely have a thumbprint on the culture, and what we're seeing, folks, is not good. It is not good at all. So what I really think we need to deal with is this whole idea, first off, what faith really is, because uh, faith is not delusional. 
Faith is not believing a delusion as Peter Bogosian would have you believe. Faith is not blind, and I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment. Faith is not believing something that you cannot see. Faith, uh, just a little bit of a spoiler alert, faith is trust. You're placing your trust in something, or in the case of the Christian faith, you're placing your trust in someone. Now, what we do we mean by faith? Well, you know, we've, we're very familiar with the verse in, in Hebrews 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, I've been in conversations with folks in the past, and a while back I was involved with a, men, in, with a men's breakfast at the church we were attending at the time, and one of the discussions we were working on was this whole meaning of this word faith. And, of course, the definition of faith is very much misunderstood today by Christians and maligned by skeptics, depending on which side of the conversation one finds themselves. Now, let me explain what we mean by this. Many folks today, Christians and atheists alike, will define this word faith by stating that faith is believing something with no evidence. Some well-meaning believers would even say that they don't have any need of evidence and that they would just believe, just believe, let that echo in your mind, just believe in Jesus. On the other side of the ledger, atheists would like to have us take that definition of faith to mean believing something that you cannot see or to mean or the most to mean the most popular accusation believing something without evidence. That's delusion. That's a blind faith. Now, even though I've gone and I've had a few blog posts directly and indirectly on this subject, what I'd like to do here is hit the subject head on. And my reasons for this are very simple because many Christians that find themselves in conversations with skeptics on spiritual matters where oftentimes the times subject will come up. Those of us who step into the arena with atheists know that this is a very favorite hot button by many skeptics today. I've been to a few reason rallies. And I've been to a few skeptics. In fact, pray for me this week because the local atheist group has a meetup. And I will be attending that meetup at the Central Rappahannock Library where the great, in quantitatively speaking, Bart Ehrman is going to be giving a talk. They have invited Big Bad Bart to go and share we're going to be down there uh, at the at the Rappahannock Central Library downtown Fredericksburg, and we're looking forward to having some conversations. And hopefully next week I'll be able to come back and share with you some things about how some of those conversations went. But getting back to the subject, folks, this is a hot button. This is a hot button topic because you and I need to have a good grasp on how to respond to the subject as it, it is due to come up in conversations with the groupies that are parroting folks like Richard Dawkins, Peter Bogosian, even Bart Ehrman, for that matter, uh, some of the most popular atheists. Now, what I want to do is I want to approach this subject 
using one of my favorite methods. And this is a question uh, that I, I like to ask. First off, I will start with the question of what is faith from a dictionary perspective. And from there, I'm going to answer some of the questions that follow from various translations of the Bible. And what I want to do is I want to address two common English renderings that lead to what I believe is the source of the confusion. That's right, the source of the confusion for why Christians regarding have a lack of understanding of this definition of faith. And then at the tail end, I'll close with what it means to have the Christian faith, because, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between the Islamic faith and the Christian faith and the Jewish faith, which is three great monotheistic belief systems. But I want us to, to think about this from the perspective that I'm not going to be exhaustive for the amount of time that we have here. I'm already 10 minutes into the show, and what I want to do is I want to keep this where it's something that you can go and you can share with people on your understanding of the definition and pass this pass this show around, pass this episode around, let folks know about the Real Issue podcast, because folks, this is a, this is a very important subject. And we need to be able to understand this subject. So I have a goal, and I do want to do a little bit more writing on some of the dynamics of what it means to have faith, particularly now that Rhett and Stempy, I mean Rhett and and um, Link, have um, gone and basically become agnostics, and they're trying to create a band of agnostics as well. So that's what I want to do. And I want to do this, I want to be as gracious as possible. And folks, what I want you to understand that when you look at the definition of the word by turning into the dictionary, we want to make sure that we understand that those who are embracing uh, popular atheism, that we have something that is definitely certain. Of course, there are five different definitions that are presented in Webster's dictionaries the objection fomenting from the atheist is basically centered on only one of those five definitions listed in most dictionaries. And when approaching the dictionary for the de definition of faith, we need to look at all the definitions and fit them into their proper context. Now, like this, folks, this, is, this cannot be understated. It is one of the most... Um, important to understand that in many cases there are multiple definitions of the word and it will depend on the context on when the word can be used. Now, the word faith is one of those words. Let me demonstrate this by breaking down some definitions. You know, if you look at the dictionary and you find the first definition, the first definition essentially is uh, that faith implies a type of confidence or trust in a thing or a person, having faith in another's ability to do something. And, and this definition draws in a strong reference to an object. And obviously, faith should have an object. Whether that object is a person or a thing, that it is believed with strong conviction, this can refer to even marital fidelity. Faith in a religion or even faith in a person. In the context of religious faith, there are many people in our culture who have this kind of faith in whatever religion they embrace. The interesting thing is that they are convinced that their religion is true, but the question is, have they tested those truth claims to know whether or not they are true? 
there is a conviction, but the question is toward the a validity or truth of the religion that is embraced. This idea is going to be important in the next several definitions of what we see from Webster's Dictionary. Let's move to a second definition here. <clears throat> and the second definition is in favor of a fideistic view of faith. Now, what do I mean by fideistic view of faith? It's basically a faith and faith type thing. The definition implies belief that is not based on proof. That's the definition. It is like one having a kind of faith that is based more in the hypothesis or theory that is substantiated by fact. Again, there is a faith that is believed as true, but the question is toward the validity of the truth for the religion that is embraced. I think those who embrace religions based on feeling, but the religion itself has not been tested as far as its truthfulness. Now, this is important because you have religions like out there like Mormonism and even some Muslims, and some of the cults are like this as well. Let me move to the third definition and basically share with you, this one is from, of a more religious context. From the dictionary, it is a faith that, or a belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion or a particular religion or ideology. The definition is used with an object, firm having a firm faith of the pilgrims, and may I insert here that this definition can refer to those on both sides of the belief line. Many skeptics have a quote-unquote faith. That's right. Many, many skeptics have a faith in science or a faith in what they would consider metaphysical reality of some kind, though they will not admit it. And in the idea, let's say, of scientism, thinking that science will one day prove all truth. I call this the unreasonable faith of the skeptic. There's a fourth definition here where there is a, which leads or refers to a belief in anything such as a code of ethics or a standard of merit. You and I are very familiar with the bumper sticker. If we know any, if we have any friends or know any people who are involved with the Marine Corps. They have a bumper sticker that says Semper Fidelis or Semper Fi. It is a chant that they give. Like with us having been in the Army, we go, Urah, as opposed to the Marines who say Semper Fi. You know, that, that is, that, you know, I, I, I love my Marine brothers. And their definition is probably better than any of the, four other, the other four branches. But again... This can be religious in its context or can be patriotic in another. To give an example, this is a kind of a coda faith, as I just mentioned to you about the Marine uh, Semper Fide. This is uh, the Semper Fidelis. This is what we call a coda faith. And lastly, there is a usage of this word of faith that reflects a, a description of a system of religious belief. I, for example, oh, the Christian faith or the Jewish faith, and I'll address this after the break. We're going to go to a break in just a moment, but before we do, I, I think faith involves conviction, and I think it embraces a strong allegiance and a belief in somebody's ability to do something. Now, 
my question in the that I'll answer in the in the next section will be how do these line up with a biblical understanding of faith? And we'll get back to you with the answer to that question in just a moment. Hello, this is Rob Lundberg from the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. If someone were to ask you why Christianity was true or why you were a Christian without giving your testimony, would you be able to give an answer for the hope that is within you? At the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry, we train you to be able to give an articulate answer as to why Christianity is true through workshops, training seminars, and open forum question and answer sessions. If you would like more information about how we can help you, call us at 540-424-2305 or email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. Let us go out and change this culture giving them the gospel, but more if so, be able to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. What is faith? Well, there's a difference between belief that and belief in. Belief that is getting evidence that God exists, that Jesus rose from the dead, that the Bible is true. That's what we call apologetics, the one-minute apologist. Here he is. That's belief that. But there's a second kind of faith, and that's belief in. Belief that is intellectual. Belief in is, after you know that it's true, trust in it. In fact, the better word, as you know, Bobby, in the Greek is trust. After you know that Jesus is the Savior, then trust in him for your salvation. Most of the time when the Bible is talking about faith, it's talking about the second kind. It's not saying don't have any evidence for your belief. It's saying after you have the evidence, then trust in Christ for your salvation. So there's a difference between belief that and belief in. James, the half-brother of Jesus who wrote that little book in the New Testament called James says, even the demons believe that God exists, but they tremble. They know intellectually better than we do that God exists, but they don't trust in him. In fact, when I first met my wife uh, 30 or so years ago, I got evidence that she would be a good wife, but all the evidence in the world didn't make her my wife. I had to take a step of trust in her to ask her to be my wife. And in a momentary lapse of judgment, she said yes. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's, <for sure. laughs> that's the difference between belief that and belief in. So the Bible's Faith is not blind faith. It's telling you to get belief that, but it's saying after you have belief that, go to your heart and trust in. And if you don't trust in, that's fine. You don't have to. God will not force you into his presence against your will. Hello, this is Rob Lundberg from The Real Issue Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the show this week. We'd like to ask you to do us a favor and go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to, and give a review. Give us five stars and help us move up the review scale so people will get more exposure to The Real Issue Podcast and The Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. We'll be more than happy to share with you more about what the show is all about and what our ministry is all about. Also, be sure to subscribe to The Real Issue Podcast so that you'll be able to listen to more shows and get more equipped as we go out to give our world heaven. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show.
So what do we mean by the Christian faith? That's a great question. That's the question we're going to answer in this part of our our show today. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Issue Podcast. Uh, if you are a listener, a regular listener, we were asking, we have a commercial on there. I hope you listen to it. It was one that we're asking you to go to iTunes. If you are listening to us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening to, I'm asking you to go on there and give us five stars if you really like us. Of course, if you're listening to us week after week, we'd love to have you go and leave a comment on the platform that you're listening to. Let folks know. That'll help us move up the scale and help us with our ratings and listening to uh, increase our audience. Because, you know, I just took my first week out of the car business. That's right. Um, I'm working with All In Solutions uh, with uh, uh, some great folks there. We are going and helping veterans uh, get their paperwork and everything all set so that they can get their benefits and all. If you want to learn more about that, you can email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. I'd love to be able to share more with you about that uh, mission. I, you know, this whole week was really, really, really crazy. And I'll tell you, it was a real step of faith that we took. And uh, Jim Hall and uh, Robert and uh, Allison Hickey uh, are, are great folks. There's some shout out uh, on our show today to them. Uh, I want to thank them publicly and online uh, with this, with the Real Issue podcast, because I'll tell you, you know, they are people of faith as well. And, you know, when you have believers that you work with, it's awful comforting uh, to be able to go have that fellowship and that understanding. And I'll tell you, we've got a great group of folks. Anyway, uh, we are talking about the Christian faith. And... The Christian faith is under attack. That's right. The Christian faith is under attack because they think we're delusional. They think we're believing with no evidence. But what I want to do in this part of our show today is explain to you what we really mean by faith, by what we really mean by the Christian faith. You know, I don't know what happened with Rhett and Link. I mentioned them in the very first part of our show today. They were tied in with crew, one with North Carolina State, one with University of North Carolina. They were tied in with that. And I'm not going to say they don't have faith. I'm not saying that they're just going through a spell. I really don't know. I haven't listened to them on, on YouTube or anything like that. I probably will listen to them a little bit just to see what they're actually saying because our kids, some of the kids today are are following the media. You know, the media's got a great influence. And, I, and I'm not speaking, using the word great in a positive sense here. The word great there is the fact of quantitatively because, you know, if there's a huge influence and it's drawing our kids away, chances are they really don't understand what the Christian faith is all about either. And, you know, at the Real Issue Podcast, a Real Issue uh, Apologetics Ministry and the Real Issue Podcast, we're here to equip you. We're here to come alongside the Christian church and, and be able to equip you to equip others, to multiply our lives into you so that you can multiply uh, your life into others. You know, that's what, that's what a biblical model is all about. And we are about that very thing. So, Let's move to the Christian faith. Let's talk about the Christian faith as far as this whole 
idea of, you know, what is the Christian faith? Because, well, I don't think many people know about it, or they don't understand it. And I want to use an illustration by a great preacher uh, by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I think he has probably had the best illustration of it, because in his, in his presentation of what faith is, he brings in three ingredients to the to understanding what real faith is. Now, what are those ingredients? Well, one of those is knowledge. Another one of those is belief. And another one of those is trust. You know, if you really take those things and you mix them all together, you're going to really understand what faith is all about. So in order to gain some kind of object for, for one's faith, one must have knowledge about certain facts that are believed to be true. Now, those facts better be good. Every, every type of faith has an object in which something is placed. So those facts had better be good if they're going to provide us with a solid object for our faith. Now, as Christians... We base our knowledge on the historicity of Jesus Christ, the key historical events which have been proven reliable throughout the ancient eyewitness testimonies over the, over the centuries, sacred history, and even secular history. That's right, secular history. You know, did, I don't know if you realized it or not, but there's external evidence out there that validate what you and I have in our Bibles. I bet you didn't know that. Some of you may have, but... The Bible lines up with secular history and, and vice versa. That's because maybe the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, recording for supernatural events that are in direct fulfillment to specific prophecies. And these writers claim that the writings are divine rather than human in origin. Well, so when you look at the Christian faith and you look at secular history, folks, we have knowledge of the good news of the gospel message and knowledge of how one may receive that free gift of salvation. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the scripture says that you'll be saved. That's Romans 10.9. There are plenty of solid reasons to know that the Christian faith is packed with all kinds of information. So, when we talk about the faith, to give an example, we have this whole idea of what faith is and is not. As Christians, we have that knowledge of, of biblical historicity. You know, but there are those on the other side of the belief line. I, I'm referring to atheists. They base their knowledge on theories or strings of theories that that God does not exist. They believe that the Bible uh, is full of holes. They believe that God does not exist, and they base that belief on science, drawing together all kinds of logical fallacies, just like Rhett and Link did in their skepticism, to move towards their skepticism. And every one of these can be turned over and used against their arguments. Now, both Christians and skeptics know certain facts that they believe are true. But the question is, who has the most faith between the two camps? 
as we examine all the knowledge based on the evidences of God's historical intervention in the history of mankind, his, the historical life of, and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, we can take that next step. We have knowledge of this. It is the next, it is the step of belief. So we have knowledge first and foremost. Then we have belief. Now, belief, this is not some kind of mental assent. There are a lot of pieces of evidence for what we believe about God's existence, the life and work of Jesus, and the historical reliability of the Bible, whereas not to believe would be destructive. You see, biblical faith is not believing against evidence. When all is said and done, the Christian faith is believing and a knowing which in turn results in action. And what is that action? Well, this is the final step. Remember I told you that we have knowledge and belief. That next step is called trust. Now, this is going beyond some kind of assent. The Christian faith is not just about believing that it is true. You know, I believe it's true because it's true type thing. That's circular argumentation. The Christian faith demands the action of taking what we know and what we believe and taking it to the final step. The Christian faith is about a personal trust in, in the God of the Bible, uh, the, the, the triune God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the center of this trust involves a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ in which we recognize our dependence on Him and Him alone, not just for our existence, but equally important for our salvation. You know, as Christians, we acknowledge that we are not the people we are created to be, that we have abandoned God and gone our own way. Acknowledging this, we turn, which is repentance, and rest in the assurance that Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection, has reconciled us to God. As a result, we're able to be honest about what we are and who we are. We're rebellious and broken people in need of healing and transformation of character. And we are able to have hope. We have a hope and a growing confidence that Jesus Christ is sovereign over all of reality, that his kingdom is being realized, and that he is indeed returning to us, to the arms of the Holy One and loving and true God. The Christian faith is, is not believing something that has no evidence. There's plenty of evidence that, are, that is out there. The Bible, as Bible-believing Christians, we do not deny reality. In fact, we discover reality. We discover it, and once we have discovered it, there is no turning back. You know, I was a skeptic at age 16. I got my life changed at age 20. I was a skeptic, and I was very, very quiet about it. I was very quiet about it because I didn't want to get killed by my parents, basically, because I'd been raised in church. I'd been raised in Sunday school. But I ran into Christians who could not explain to me why Christianity was true. It wasn't until I started investigating, because somebody challenged me to investigate the evidence, that I started softening up to it, coming to the Bible and testing the Bible to see if the Bible was true against all other religious books. I came upon reality. We are called in, to that reality, and you know, you and I have to act upon it. We are called to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and 
all our strength. We have a biblical mandate to act upon that calling by loving our neighbor as ourselves, first by denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following the one who gave us his life and rose from the dead for us. Conviction. Conviction and evidence are the same word in the original language of the text that we read in Hebrews 11. So when we talk about conviction, this whole conviction of knowing what we know to be true is what Christianity is all about. So the question then is, um, what you and I have is better evidences for believing the Christian faith than the atheist. What does the atheist have? Well, the atheist, I, I hate to say it, uh, I'm waiting to hear something from them worth believing because I don't think they really have anything. And I think we'll be waiting a long time. Perhaps they are the ones believing in something which, in which there is no evidence. So my next question as I wrap this show up, I want to give you four uh, maybe five quick things here about this whole idea of can faith be divorced from reason? And and this is very, very important, you know, because people think that you have to embrace, uh, you have to separate reason from faith when Christianity is really a reasonable faith. You know, there was a... a um, statement that was made by Richard Dawkins, uh, who said, many of us saw religion as harmless nonsense. Belief might lack all supporting evidence, but we thought if people needed a crutch for cons consolation, where's the harm? September 11th of 2001 changed all that. Revealed faith is not harmless nonsense. It can be lethally dangerous nonsense. Dangerous because it gives people unshakable confidence in their own righteousness. Dangerous because it gives them false courage to kill themselves, which automatically removes normal barriers to killing others. Dangerous because it teaches enmity to others labeled only by difference of inherited tradition. And dangerous because we all have bought into a weird respect, which uniquely projects religion from normal criticism. Now let's now stop being so damn respectable. I had to say that because that's in the quote that's from Richard Dawkins when asked about how the world changed following September 11th. And that was found in the, the, the magazine, The Guardian, October 11th, 2001. And of course, in, in days gone by, and even recent days, another atheist by the name of Peter Bogosian has stated that faith is pretending to know what you do not know. Now, while Bogosian's definition of faith is wrong, his statement demonstrates more lack of reason than those he is accusing of abandoning reason, namely, the Christians who believe in having faith in the risen Jesus Christ. The critics of the Christian faith accusing that it is unreasonable have never been more venomous. Whether they accuse us of taping, taking a leap in the dark or pontificating that faith has been rendered meaningless in an age of scientific and intellectual enlightenment, we must understand that faith and reason cannot be detached or divorced from one another. Why is that? 
Well, what I want to do in this section here is give you five things to think about on this faith and reason debate. First, the early church fathers and the medieval scholars and Protestant reformers believed that faith fits the biblical view of reason. One must remember that there is a reasonableness to faith and that the finite human intellect is not able to fully grasp infinite divine truth. There is something else in it that is needing to be remembered here, and that is the fact that just because something cannot be fully understood by reason, it doesn't mean that it is unreasonable. There's a second thing here that I want to bring in here is that our reasoning capacity is part of God's image in us. Human rationality reflects the Creator's rationality, and we use our minds to glorify God, and this in turn reveals His nature. The, the greatest commandment that has been given to us is found in the Hebrew Torah, in the Shema of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It is also applied in Jesus' giving of the great commandment in Matthew 22, 36 to 40. That commandment tells us that we're to love God with all our being, including and including our minds. And we show that love of God by pursuing truth using reason well, and rejecting that which is logically and empirically false and existentially or experientially relevant. We reject those things that are not in context with those three things I just mentioned. There's a third element here, and that is faith is not unreasonable, contrary to what Peter Bogosian says. Nothing is inherently irrational about believing in Jesus Christ as God's Son, who died and paid for our sins. Non-Christians may call this foolishness, and of course we know that 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us this, but they cannot demonstrate that charge. The Protestant reformers rationally explain the threefold nature of saving faith, and I mentioned this earlier, of having knowledge of the facts of the gospel, believing or assenting to the truth of the gospel, and then the act of the will in trusting, that, it was, that is, trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our justification before God. And folks, that means that we are saved. That's a cute little buzzword to say that we've been born from above. But our minds played a part in that as well in the act of faith. We heard, we processed, and we responded to the gospel by using our minds, not abandoning them. Faith and reason cannot be abandoned or they cannot be separated. Fourthly, the Christian faith is distinct from other kinds of faith which are not so reasonable. For example, the Jehovah's Witnesses in the Mormon Church, along with other world religions, have a type of faith, but none of them hold up to the serious scrutiny. And Christianity has survived the scrutiny and the investigation and the challenges, very serious scrutiny, and will continue to do so when properly presented before its critics. It has a strong um, test. It has stood the test of the Voltaires. It will stand the test of the likes of the Dawkinses and the Bogosians, the Brian Leiters and the John Grays. Fifthly and lastly, there are some Christian teachings that are mysterious and beyond our finite understanding. The doctrines of the faith like the Trinity, God's single essence yet threefold in personhood, and the incarnation of Christ having two natures, fully divine and one fully human, can be found in the only one person, the person of Jesus Christ. These, these are definitely profound mysteries.
But despite the fact that they are mysteries, they cannot be fully understood, but they are not contradictions. They do not violate the fundamental laws of logic. And in the final analysis, however, the Trinity and the Incarnation have never, can never be fully understood by sheer reason alone. But this does not render biblical Christianity irrational. We might not be able to comprehend it, but we can definitely apprehend those truths. So as I wrap the show up today, in summation, faith and reason do not compete with one another. Biblical faith not, it brings in a knowledge, a belief, and a trust. And when we go and we put that together, the knowledge and belief bind, bound together with trust, all throughout history we can see that the church has had a high view of the use of reason in the lives of the redeemed. Christians should be able to use their mind to glorify God by diligently pursuing and knowing truth, by thinking clearly and properly and rejecting falsehood. The Christian faith, when properly presented, is a, is a, reasonable, is a reasonable faith, and you and I should value the use of reason, which is one of God's greatest gifts. Thank you for listening to The Real Issue Podcast, the podcast arm of Rob Lundberg Apologetics and The Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. Again, next week I will be going to the Central Rappahannock Library to listen to Bart Ehrman, if that's the date that he's going to be there. I think it's March 8th, today's March 1st, that we're recording this. And then I will be back with you again the following week. But we'll have a show for you next week. I'll probably record it earlier in the week because I have to be down there uh, pretty much right after church. But we will be there, and we will definitely uh, give you a report the following week and some of the conversations we have with some of the skeptics. If that should happen to fall through, we'll have something else to talk to you about. But as you go out this week, see, the goal is to go out and reach people, to put stones in their shoes, to be able to go and share the gospel. And I am grateful that this past week, I've had a chance to have a, a couple spiritual conversations, at least be able to encourage some folks. But you know, see folks, this is what it's all about. It's better to have an awkward conversation than no conversation at all. As long as you go out and give people the love that, and show the love of God to them, you'll be able to share whatever truth that you know to be true about the Christian faith. So as you go out next week, as it's, I'm sorry, as you go out this week, as you always know that we close this program, go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless. <laughs>